Welcome to Unfuck Your Brain, the only podcast that teaches you how to use psychology, feminism, and coaching to rewire your brain and get what you want in life. And now here's your host, Harvard Law School grad, feminist rock star, and master coach, Kara Lowenthal. Hello, my chickens. How are you all doing with this end of year madness? <laughs> we are experiencing madness on the inside, madness on the outside. <laughs> so obviously, New Year's is in some ways, it's like the time that the rest of the world is briefly into self-development <laughs> in terms of setting resolutions. But of course, if you don't know about the brain and you don't know about coaching, then those resolutions are often just big old shoulds, right? They're just ways that we think we should be or things that we think we should do in order to feel good about ourselves. And so over the years, I've done a few episodes on New Year's resolutions, and that's why we are sharing some of them here today that appeared on other podcasts so that are brand new to this podcast, but conversations that I had on other podcasts all about what goes wrong when we set New Year's resolutions. And in particular, I love this interview that we are releasing today for the first time on this podcast with the author of The Fuck It Diet, Carolyn Dooner. The Fuck It Diet is a book that I completely recommend to anybody who is trying to deprogram themselves from diet mentality. It's one of the kind of couple of core books that I give my coaches in my advanced certification and feminist coaching program before they start. I send them a couple of books that are kind of foundational, like Bell Hooks, Ain't I a Woman, and like The Fuck It Diet. And then we have a couple of others too. But point is, the Fuck It Diet is an amazing resource for those of you who are trying to question diet culture. And I think that's so relevant around the holidays because it's a time that, you know, even those of us who have done a bunch of work maybe on our body image, on our diet mentality, on our thoughts around, you know, making food and exercise a moral issue and all of the kind of associated nonsense, I think that this time of year can be really hard, you know, even if you have been doing that work there's just a lot of factors that bring it up. Everybody else is fucking talking about their diets, right? People who even maybe normally don't talk so much about food and diets are now making comments about like, you know, got to do the turkey trot to run off the Thanksgiving pie. And like, next year, I really got to get serious about getting in shape. <laughs> there's like all of that kind of talk. Many of us are spending more time with our families, which is often where we learned our original diet culture thinking. And so we may, you know, most of the year be able to hang out with people we have chosen who don't comment on bodies, don't comment on food. But then at the holidays, we may be sort of thrown into lots of interaction with people who don't share our values about that, may be commenting on our bodies, may just be commenting on their own bodies, right? But it can bring up a lot of the kind of things that we've had to work on. So I think this time of year is just a time that everybody needs some extra support with body positivity, with health at any size, with like dealing with that little voice in your brain that tells you that you should just really make another New Year's resolution to lose weight. It'll be different this year. And so in this conversation with Carolyn Dooner, we talk about what is wrong with the way that most of us try to set New Year's resolutions, right? What happens when we are trying to motivate ourselves from self-loathing, from self-rejection, from shame, from should, 
why that doesn't work and what I recommend you do instead. So I think that if you've ever been a person who set a New Year's resolution, which is pretty much all of us, you're going to find this conversation super helpful. So without further ado, let's get into it. I'm so thrilled about your book because it's like the perfect thing to recommend to my clients for all the stuff I'm always trying to teach them in bits and pieces. And now I can be like, oh my God, just go read this. Oh, that makes me so happy. I always <laughs> love hearing that. And it always like blows my mind. I'm like, really? <laughs> really? Yeah. Because it was like, you know, otherwise I was having to be like, I guess read this 1970s book called intuitive eating. And then right. also check out this website that also looks like it's from 1992 about health at any size. You know, it was like, <laughs> like needed a modern put together version of it. Oh, I'm so glad. That makes me really happy. So we can just get, we'll just get into it. Does that sound good? Yeah, sounds good. Will you introduce yourself to the listeners and let them know who you are, what you do, and sort of how you got into the work you do? Sure. Although it might be kind of fun to just be like an anonymous guest, <laughs> like let, <laughs> let people try to figure it out. Uh, I am a, I'm a master certified coach. I'm a former social justice lawyer, now a master certified coach. Um, I used to be a uh, reproductive rights lawyer. And so the point of which is only that I'm basically a professional feminist, just in different forms. And um, now what I do is I basically am a feminist mindset coach, by which I mean that I teach women how to identify the ways that internalized socialization has Mm -hmm. impacted their thought patterns, meaning like what we learn about what women are supposed to be like or look like or what their value is or what the purpose of their life is, like all of society's messages, explicit and implicit about about being a woman, what those are, anybody who gets socialized as a woman. And then I teach them how to identify those, how those are impacting them, and then how to actually change their thought patterns kind of piece by piece. I am very um, practical and analytical and no bullshit. And so um, I really focus a lot on how do we actually, how do we approach thought change, habit change, whatever it is Mm. in a very concrete, methodical way. And so I do that now through my podcast, which is called Unfuck Your Brain and through The Clutch, which is my feminist coaching community. I love it. I love that so much. Professional feminist. Oh, that's so great. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, that's the place I think where, you know, when people write to me all the time saying, okay, I get it. I'm eating more food. I'm feeling more, you know, normal around food. I do, you know, I feel that kind of physical switch, but I'm so stuck on, on my body. I'm so stuck on wanting to be accepted and wanting to, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's, that's really, really, really hard stuff. But like that mental piece, those beliefs that, and that's always what I come back to. Like we have these beliefs and we have to become aware of them. But, but even with that, once you become aware of people are like, okay, so. (laughs) Right. A lot of my clients are like, okay, I went to therapy and now I know all of my terrible thoughts. Like, are we like, this is how I felt too. Sort of like, are we going to do something about them? Are we just going to like watch them keep playing? Right. Right. Yeah. I think that thought piece is the most important. And the irony is, of course, people on the podcast can't see me, but I'm a fat woman and I'm a, you know, plus size coach and um, a body love and health at any size advocate. Um, Although even, you know, health is problematic in its own way. Anyway, but um, (laughs) we get into all that, but um, body love, no matter your health, but also health at any size or health as it's available to you. So anyway, the point is I came to this health habits, right? (laughs) Yeah. I came to this work. Right. I, I ironically came to this work 
when I was still trying to lose weight. So Mm -hmm. like it was actually, I mean, hilariously, my teacher and coach is a dear friend of mine, but I met her because she was doing a weight loss coaching program and I took it. It was like the last thing I tried to do to lose weight before I kind of had my, you know, awakening. Mm -hmm. And she was, you know, she was teaching some stuff about, she was teaching what was actually kind of similar to intuitive eating in some ways, actually. But then also this thought work component of like, well, your thoughts are what cause your feelings and your feelings cause your actions. And like changing your weight is not going to change how you feel about yourself. You have to do this internal work. And I was like, well, wait a minute. <laughs> like, right. If changing my thoughts is going to solve my confidence and self-esteem and self-hatred, I, who cares what my body, I don't need to lose weight, right? Right. Like, yes. Why well, don't need this other part? Why do we have this other part in this program? Yeah. <laughs> like, need, oh, that's so interesting. That. <laughs> that's so interesting because I think a lot of people would be like almost the opposite. Like right. I don't need, I don't need to accept myself at the weight that I am now. I need Right. And that's just such a misunderstanding of the human brain. Yeah, it really, really is. You can't do, you can't be like every day I like walk with my right foot forward, but then when I like reach this certain point, I'm all of a sudden going to walk with my left foot forward, right? Or I'm going to like write with my right hand. And then like after a hundred pages of all of a sudden I'll magically switch to my left hand. Like your thought patterns are like, it's like muscle memory. You can't teach yourself to reject your body all the way down the scale Right. And be like at like 126, I'm still going to reject myself. But when I get to 125, all of a sudden I'm going to wake up and love my body. That's not how your brain works. Exactly. And the way that I kind of put it sometimes is the way that we seek out the goal is the way we're going to experience the goal. Yes. I said, yeah. Yeah. I call that the destination always feels like the journey did. Yes. Yes. And it really fucking does. Yeah. It is not a joke. <laughs> I mean, and what the what happens is if you've done, and I, you know, this is true in any area of your life, right? It's like making money, dating, finding love, whatever. It's like, people want to like hate dating and then love being in a relationship. Right. Like, no, <laughs> that's not going to work. Right. If you've told yourself it's terrible, then when you end up in a relationship, your brain is still stuck in its terrible mode. And same with your body, same with making money, whatever it is, like the destination will always feel like the journey because every day on the journey, you're practicing how you think and feel about this part of your life. Yeah, You're like teaching your brain to think and feel a certain way about it. And if that's negative, then achieving the object of your desire will do nothing for you. And we see this, of course, right? People lose weight temporarily usually. And then it's like, then they fixate on something else, right? All you've done is teach your brain how to hate your body. Yes. Yes. Fixate on something else about your body or, and mm-hmm. it's usually is your body. You're still yeah. fixating on your body, but, but even if you temporarily, like sometimes there is that like honeymoon high totally uh, before you start panicking about it going away, but then you're fixating on something else. There's always something else to kind of micromanage and improve. And uh, uh, yeah, it just is never ending. Yeah, It's like, if you white knuckle through, let's say you, you know, you drink too much and you white knuckle your way to stopping, but you don't ever deal with any of the emotional stuff that was causing it. Yep. Now you're yep. just a compulsive online shopper instead. Yep. Right. I mean, you just switch yep. it to the next thing. Yes. Yes. And that's the other piece. That's, you know, that's what I think of as the emotional piece of like, if you yeah. don't, you know, and they're obviously very intertwined, but like the emotions that we, that we push down with whatever vice, whatever distraction, they're going to be there. If you abstain from that vice, you're just gonna, you're just going to go to another vice. 
You're just, yeah. Kind of- Cause it's not the action. It's the motivation behind it. Right. It's yeah. like that fuel. You're still like creating the thing that was fueling the action. So you're just letting it out a different way. Yes. Okay. Well, this is maybe a perfect segue into what I want to talk about with you today, which is the horrible time of year. <laughs> <laughs> Where this is 2020, so this could be any time of year you're describing, really. This is I know, the limited. horrible time of year of the most horrible year. Yeah, of the right. It's just like we're going to reach a zenith, maybe. Then we'll just like come out the other side, like a, worm, <laughs> like a wormhole. That would be amazing. Oh, wouldn't it be? I know. I keep trying to remind myself, like, 2020, like, when it turns January 1st, like, it's everything. I know. We totally all have magical thinking about that. It's the same I thing, know. right? I know. It's like the scale switching over. We're all like, I man, know. 2020. But it's almost over. Like on 2021, we're going to wake up and be like, oh, it was all a dream. I know. God, I wish. But it's um, a human illusion. Oh, it is. I mean, it is. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, you know, this is the time of year where everyone is sure that they are going to turn their lives around and become new, amazing, impressive, responsible versions of themselves on January 1st. <laughs> and everywhere you look, online and in the fucking mail like I can't believe people still mail me things like I still get you're getting like resolution mail that is horrifying (laughs) you know like gyms in the area oh yeah yeah everywhere you look people are talking about new year new you so I would love to hear your take and your approach to resolutions to new year's resolutions or your oh my god or anti-resolutions, however you so, approach so it. So much to say. I do have a lot of thoughts about it. I mean, so number one, just like new year, new you is just a terrible concept, right? Like, I know. Number one, I mean, we were just joking time is a human construct, but that's true, right? Like we made all this up. Yeah. There's yeah. nothing magic about January 1st. And I think like what's so delusional about the way most people try to do New Year's resolutions, which I will say doesn't always have only happen on New Year's. It's like anytime you make this like vow to start on Monday of anything, right? Yeah, it's that it's, like, it's that mindset dynamic of like, I'm changing my life around. Yeah. And it's like we think we're gonna become totally different people. Right. But we have no like no explanation for like what's the mechanism that's gonna make that happen. Right. right? Like if if it's December. And you haven't done yoga for nine months. Why do you think it's like reasonable to think that you'll wake up on January 1st and you're going to do yoga every day? Like December 31st to January 1st, those are just made up words. Like you wouldn't look at it. I don't know. Like my cat does not have a concept of time, right? Right. It's not like on December 31st, you'd be like tomorrow, I'm going to wake up and like, I'm going to, you know, like to run marathons around the apartment, which I've never done before. It's all just made up. So, I mean, there's like two levels of this going on. It's like completely unrealistic the way that we think about it. We just are somehow like, well, I hope future me has a totally different set of like (laughs) motivation and skills and whatever to to execute this project. And it's one of the whole reasons that it doesn't work is that, I mean, there's multiple reasons it doesn't work. One is that you don't understand how to operate your brain to make change to make habit change happen. So we can talk about that in a minute, mm-hmm. how you actually can change your habits if you want to. But this, actually the most important question first is why are you even doing that, mm. right? right? What is the motivation? If your motivation is because you just somehow from living where and when you live, you've gotten the idea that you should be doing yoga. That's <laughs> just like right. somehow like a moral good for you to do it or mean right. something about you or whatever 
your motive, so many of our goals and resolutions are motivated, especially resolutions, not so much like goals always, but especially like personal care or I think it's a lot of it. It's basically like food, movement, home related, like things that are about our bodies, our habits, our immediate environments, like our processes as a human. A lot of the goals that we set around those are shame-based, mm. right? They're like, I think that I should be this different kind of person. I think I would, I would feel better about myself if I were this different kind of person. And yes. so I'm going to try to act my way into feeling better about myself. And then that always fails because number one, it doesn't work. And number two, you like haven't built the mental infrastructure to actually create habit change. Right. And a lot of times it's arbit- it's an arbitrary idea of what we should be doing, right? Right. It's so random. Like what about people before <laughs> yoga came to the West? Like then no Americans were trying to do yoga on January 1st. Right. Like, yeah, I think it can be fun to like, I like to really play, like people take brain stuff very seriously sometimes. And I just like to like play around with it. Because if you, to just see how like culturally contingent it is, like imagine it was like 1901 and I, you know, you were like resolving to wake up every morning and take that cocaine tonic your doctor prescribed <laughs> to make you God, healthier. I, wish. I right? wish that that was what my doctor gave me to take. I know. They're all like vegetables and movement. You're like, where's the cocaine tonic? Uh, but like, that sounds ridiculous to us now, right? That you would like wait, be like, my new year's resolution is to take my cocaine every morning. Right. Like that's what's going to promote my good health and like good moral status. Right. But that was a totally a thing. It's all made up, right? It's like all made up and it just is the meaning that we give it. Like, why do you want to do yoga every day? Why do you want to have a more, I mean, the wellness and coaching world is like chock full of people talking about their morning routines. Like they're, I, I mean, I think it's like a hundred percent the same energy that people used to have when they were designing like temple sacrifice rituals, oh my right? It's just, it's like. <laughs> Like this Portrait. kind of like <laughs> magical sequence of things I'm going to do that's going to just like make me feel happy forever. All, and make every all day before amazing. you eat, right? All before you have All before you eat. Food. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the other thing that's so interesting about the food stuff, right? Is like humans have such a long history of ritualization around food. Mm. Yeah. So anthropologically, it's like very compelling to us, right? Food was a very important thing. It used to be scarcer. It used to be more dangerous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like mm-hmm. there's a part of us that is very drawn to rituals and rules around food for safety, but you have to, but it doesn't actually work. Right. <laughs> so especially you have now, to, right? Yeah. Especially now, like when you really don't need to worry about like your food has been pasteurized, it's safe right. to eat. Right. And so I think like we have to acknowledge, you know, I never want it to sound like I'm saying like, everybody's being stupid just because you're all dumb. Like, obviously that's not what I'm saying. Right. Right. We all do this because we live in a society, especially if we're socialized as women, that tells us that we should be constantly trying to improve ourselves and be better so that we can be worthy enough. Mm-hmm. We're taught that our bodies, are, you know, what our bodies look like and what other people think of them is what determines our value and worth in the world. Mm-hmm. And we have this like mix of Puritanism and kind of Christianity and capitalism in this particular, in the US at least, culturally, that just makes us really fixated on like constant attempts to improve ourselves and better ourselves through like work and effort. Yes. Yes. And it's so tied in with morality and whether we think Mm -hmm. we're good people or not. 
Yeah, we. Th- I mean, it is like the, you know, sometimes I think that like growing up Jewish gave me a slightly different perspective on this, but it's still obviously in the culture around me. It's not like I didn't right. have these issues too and have to work on them. But I do think we're all kind of like that concept of like original sin, like that you're like born sinful. Right. It's like, we all think that we're just like, we're just somehow wanting there's something, I mean, every single client I have like thinks there's something undefinable, but definitely wrong about them. Yes. <laughs> right. It's like yes. some essential wrongness or brokenness. And I'm always joking with them. Like, okay, well, there's a lot of other women here. So like, what are the odds that almost everybody else in the world is like, fine. And I just got like the, the several hundred of you that are broken. Right. Exactly. That, that's what I was going to say. We're all, you know, without coming together and talking about it, we're all sure that we are the broken ones. Totally. They're okay. They don't have to do that. I, there really is something wrong with me. And it's this like secret that a lot of us have with ourselves. And also like, if there's something truly secretly, intrinsically, morally wrong with you, which of course there isn't, I don't see how doing yoga five times a week is going to help that. I know. Sorry. My, my mail, this is an example of what I was talking about. My mail is being delivered and my dog was this is totally fine. She's like, oh my God, attacked. Sometimes my cat comes in and screams just because it's like not <laughs> dinner time yet. And he thinks it should be. <laughs> All right. I think, I think we're in the clear. Molly, it's just the mailman. It's okay. It's okay. We're going to be safe. We're going to survive this probably. Okay. <laughs> One hopes one never knows. One never right. knows, especially Molly. <laughs> Everything is a threat. Everything is a threat. So wait, let, where were we? Um, um, I think, oh, oh, that like everybody thinks there's something intrinsically secretly wrong with them. But like, even if that were true, if you were like truly just fatally flawed in some way, then, you know, how would eating kale and going to yoga really solve your problem anyway? I know. And yet we're and all, yet we're all sure. Will. You know, and it is in the marketing too, of like, if you just mm-hmm. do this one thing, you're going to have all this energy. Like you're tired. Right. What you need, you need supplements. You need more exercise. You need to wake up. <laughs> right. As opposed to like, sometimes human bodies are tired. Like go to sleep. Right. My cat sleeps 23 hours a day. Oh, like, it's a dream. I know. Right. I mean, I, you know, yeah, I want to be up for like eight, but right. Like we have such a distorted <laughs> idea. I mean, I think because so many of us don't, you know, because of industrialization and electric lighting and like all these factors that are very recent in the history of humans, mm, yeah. right. We have like a very unrealistic idea about how productive we should be again it's like that productivity and capitalism piece like how productive we should be how consistent we should be I just there's something when you're talking huge piece sorry what happened no no I was trying to remember it keep going it'll come oh, back oh, oh no that's such a huge piece and I I think it's so I mean it runs so parallel the way we approach both of these things and they're obviously interconnected but the way we approach productivity and laziness. Like, oh, there's something Mm -hmm. wrong with me. I'm so tired. I'm so tired. I just need to do more. I just need to be better. I just need to be less lazy. I just need to have a better Mm -hmm. routine. I just need to, when what most of us need is Mm -hmm. more rest and more true Mm -hmm. downtime that we don't even know how to take. We don't even know that we're allowed to take it. When when we finally have the chance to, we're like, oh my God. And we're staring at our phones the whole time because we have these little devices that have been engineered to keep us addicted to them. Exactly restful. Like the human eye only started seeing screens like 30 years ago. That is not actually downtime for your nervous system. It's so, so true. But that that kind of belief system runs parallel to the diet culture. One of there's something wrong with me. Why am I so hungry? Why am I so, so why am I so tired? Why am I so hungry? The answer we assume is we have to work harder 
to Mm -hmm. be less hungry somehow. And we have to work harder to be less tired somehow when the answer for most people in most circumstances, especially in our culture is you need to eat more and you need to allow it and you need to rest more and you need to allow it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they also circle around, right? It's like, I think sometimes the the kind of food and body positivity movement gets trapped in this corner where it's as though people are saying or seem to be saying like, and there's no such thing as people ever using food the way we know people use booze or drugs or shopping or anything else. And of course there is that, but that all still comes from the same thing. If you are like punishing yourself and not letting yourself rest and not actually relaxing and you know, like you're creating these stressed out conditions for yourself and So of course you're going to turn to something for comfort and for some people that's food. And so like, even if you are eating for not true physical hunger, which is number one, morally, totally fine. Number two, Mm -hmm. totally normal. Mm -hmm. But like number three, even if you were doing it at some extreme, like all day, every day or something, I don't know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like never sleeping, like staying awake, just eat cake throughout the night continuously. The answer would still be like rest and softness and compassion for yourself, not driving yourself harder. Exactly. Yes. So, so true. So, so, so true. Oh, man. Um, I feel like we're like, we could have like a 17 hour conversation. I know. I know. I think we got to real habits. Okay. This is one important thing for listeners to know, because some of y'all are going to try to do resolutions anyway. Yes. And you're going to pretend you're doing them because you love yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Maybe you are. I don't know if your, if your plan is to give up your morning cocaine. I'm, I'm with you. That's probably a, a good idea until <laughs> afternoon, at least. Um, so the thing that we, I mean, here's, here's how, you know, I teach this thing I call a perfectionist fantasy, which I think is highly correlated with diet culture. Mm, yes. And so like people, anybody listen, I can pretty much guarantee that 99% of the people listening to this podcast have this problem without knowing anything else about them. I'm sure I do. you know, yeah, me too. I mean, how did I come up with it? <laughs> like, <laughs> Watch my own brain. That's the thing you have to understand about coaches. We're not saying we're, I'm far from, I'm far from having it all figured out. Everything I teach pretty much learned from watching my own brain. Right. It's this, like, it relates to that, like this fantasy of like, okay, I haven't managed, I've never gone to yoga in nine months, but like starting on Monday, I'm going to go five times a week religiously. Right. 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 And so that's the perfectionist fantasy is this fantasy that at some undetermined point in the future, or sometimes you determine the point, you know, it's like going to be Monday you're going to be this completely different person with a completely different set of habits, a completely perfect motivation. It's going to feel amazing. Right. And you create these like elaborate fantasies because that's the only time that you stop criticizing and shaming yourself. Right. Right. The whole reason we develop this um, tendency is because we are constantly internally berating ourselves for like how we eat or how we move or what we do or what we don't do. And so the only relief we know how to find is in creating a fantasy about how we're going to be better tomorrow. Right. We're going to be perfect tomorrow or on Monday or whatever. And it turns into this vicious cycle where we get so used to doing that, that we have like zero integrity with ourselves about actual habit change. We already know when we, like after a few years of this, <laughs> by the time you're in your thirties, at least after a decade or two of it, right. you're kind of on to the deal. Like, you know, you're not actually going to do that thing, right? right? You know, the odds are like pretty low, but you're actually going to do it. But you still feel compelled to create the fantasy because it's the only way you know to like quiet your own self-criticism. So that's why you have to do that self-love part, the thought part, the like, what are you making it mean about you and your worth? Like you have to do all of that because you have to break, you're right that you need relief from that 
self-criticism, but a perfectionist fantasy is the answer. And in fact, like the opposite is true. The things that will actually change your habits and your life are things that perfectionists hate, like a 10 minute walk. Right. 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 Or like working on your business for half an hour. Right. Right? It's basically like, I say like the way to pick a goal is to pick something that's so for perfectionists is to pick something that's so small that your brain says it's not worth it. It'll never work. Mm, like love that. that's how you know you're onto something, right? I love like, that. I love that so much. Yeah. Like what is the like most baseline, <laughs> dumbest amount of thing you can do? It's not really dumb. You know what I mean? Like what is like, sounds so basic. Yes. That yes. you know you could actually do it. And of course your brain's going to be like that stupid Nancy in accounting has such a great ask because she goes to yoga five times a week. Right. She does 90 minutes of Ashtanga and you're going to go for a walk once a week. But like that is actually how you change habits is it's like, it's like bowing to yourself that on Monday, you're going to wake up and speak Italian fluently. Right. Yeah. If you don't speak Italian now, that's not going to happen. <laughs> and like whether, yeah, it is painstaking and annoying to learn a language word by word. And that's how it happens. Yes. If you've ever watched a child learn a language, that's how it goes. Yeah. They have the one word is, for a while. Yeah. Time. Like everything yeah. is Baba for like six months. Right. And then it's like. <laughs> And now there's a da-da too. Now we have two words. Like, and like a child, just like you, there does come a point where like the tail, the like scale tips and now there's like rapid, you know, development. Right. You have to like earn that. And the same is true with you and habits. So like, there, yeah, you know, if you want to move your body more, of course, there are some reasons to do that that could feel good to you, mm-hmm. right? Like, you know, I call it my friend of mine, Amber Karin Suzanne fat yoga teacher calls it pushing lymph. <laughs> She's oh, like, yeah. you know, it's like your body needs, your like the lymph needs to move through your body. I love so. that. I, I actually, that is one of the things I say, like to like, to breathe deeper, to like circulate your blood, to like help. Yeah, exactly. So system. she's like, like, so every yeah. time I move a little, I'm like, all right, it's lymph pushing. I'm doing it right now. Love it. Shimmy with my shoulders, right? I like love that. Yes. There are good, re- you know, obviously humans, we live in animal bodies and like, there are some, there are some benefits to us for, for movement, but when you're trying, you have to number one, have like done the work on the motivation. And then number two, pick a goal that is so small that it seems pointless. And like, you have to think about the long term, right? Humans really un- overestimate how much we can get done in short periods of time, like a day or a week. Anybody mm-hmm. who's ever been like, I will finish this entire to-do list today. Right. <laughs> right? It's like, <laughs> definitely not. Right. But we underestimate how much we can get done in a longer period of time, like a year. Our brains are just not that good at thinking that way naturally. So like, if you actually, we all know what's going to happen if you vow to like never eat carbs again, starting January 1st, right? You're going to be face down in a pizza by January 4th. Yeah. It's a natural process. If you vow, like if your resolution is I'm going to take a 10 minute walk twice a week, seems like so pointless, right? But at it's the doable end of the year, and you're going to do doable, it. Yeah. And at the end of the year, you will have gone on a hundred how many weeks are in a year? I can't do that. 104 walks, yeah. right? That you wouldn't have if you hadn't done that. Yeah. No, I love this. I love this. And it really does remind me, whoa, the snow is really coming down right now. Sorry, I just looked out. No, window. no, I'm jealous. I'm waiting for a snow to arrive. Oh, it's exciting, but it is going to turn to rain here. So I'm kind of depressed. That's rude. That. I don't approve of that. Very rude. <laughs> but so in the the tools that are in my book, 
what I find is that people are like, I don't need to do them. Those are so simple. Like they're too. Oh, yeah, exactly. We're all like, Hey, I can't keep a habit to save my life, but I'm sure I'm too sophisticated to do any of these simple to tools. do right. To do the <laughs> 10 minute lie down or like the stream of consciousness writing for 20 minutes. And people are like, so what do I do? But what do I really do? Like, what do I really do to work here? You're like, like, I just told you what to do. <laughs> there, it, it is allowed to be that simple. And often the most profound things for us are really the most obvious and the most simple. Like we 100%. know the answer to most things. And we're like, no, 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 no. I can't. Oh that. yeah. No. I mean, this happens in thought work all the time. People are like, I think this really complicated thing is going on in my brain. And I'm like, I think you just aren't having a feeling. <laughs> I think that you should just allow that emotion. And they're like, no, 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 I already did that. It didn't work. So like, here's, I read these three books and I've constructed this elaborate theory and I'm like, or you could just feel sad. I think that maybe is just what needs to happen. Yeah. <laughs> you just need to feel sad. I like know. your body actually knows how to do that. That's really all that's going on. <sighs> I know it's, it's so hard to be a human. And, and at the same time, it it could be so simple if we, but that's exactly it. Right. It's like, we are, this is the irony. We make it so hard by trying to run away from it all the time. I know. I know. Right. It's like, we're so unwilling and so untrained in just being on the floor with ourselves for 10 minutes or actually looking at our thoughts for 10 minutes. Yeah. And so we're like constantly racing. And I, you know, and I think like technology and that fragmentation of attention and time isn't helping with this. Right. Constantly looking for novel stimuli and we have to really learn how to slow down. And I know, I mean, I sound like such a goddamn hippie. (laughs) Be with, like be with ourselves and our bodies, but like, that's what all of this, the food and the restriction and the binging and the purging and the exercising and the like all of it is like such a desperate attempt to get away from your own humanness in your Um, own body it's so true it's so 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 true and it is so annoying that it's that simple because it's because it's uncomfortable especially if you've been avoiding it for such a long time it's it's uncomfortable to, to be with it and to you know one of the things that I say and have noticed myself is that there's a lot waiting there if you've been avoiding it and it's going to feel like too much and it's going to feel like it's going to be too much forever. Mm-hmm. But it's just that we have to start somewhere. Yeah. I always say like, we don't really, most of us don't actually know what, what allowing an emotion is like because we've never done it. Mm-hmm. What we have experienced is what it feels like to desperately resist an emotion and yes. try to climb out of your own body. Yes. And it's a horrible feeling to Which do Which is that. horrible, right? Yeah. But so when I say like, allow the sadness, people think I'm saying you're going to feel like that. Forever. Like, no, no. Yeah. 90% of that suffering is you trying to get away. Yeah. Like really just imagine, imagine your skeleton is trying to exit your body. Yes. <laughs> it's like, you can't, it's like, that's crazy. Of course that feels terrible. Something being inside something it can't get out of. Right. But like 90% of it is that if you're, if you just are willing to be there, it's not nearly as intense. And it, it also, I think people think there's like something wrong with them about this. And like, yeah. it's a hundred percent a skill. We are socialized out of yeah. experiencing our emotions as they happen right? Like mm-hmm. we are taught to stop doing that. Yeah. And a lot of us grew up in families where else there was an additional layer of like, that's not okay. That's not allowed. Right. right? Like you're not allowed or just to get, or just feeling. get over it. Yeah. Just like stiff upper lip, just get over it. You're so sensitive. You know, one of the story in my household growing up was like, I was just so sensitive. Right. Right. You know, same. So like, it's not, it's not you, it's like society and socialization and your family and whatever else. Like it really is just a skill you can learn. I mean, when people, 
join the clutch and start working with me. It's like literally the first thing we teach you is like, how do you process an emotion? It's not a mystical thing. <laughs> it's like an right. actual skill you can learn, but just a lot of us were not taught how to allow and self-regulate as children. And, you know, our parents didn't know how either. It just right. was, we just didn't have, didn't get that draw to look. Yeah. I do feel like, you know, we are sort of the first generation where we're like, oh, we do go to therapy. You know, most of us mm-hmm. do, you know, we're, we don't, it's not really that stigmatized anymore. I mean, of course it is a little bit for some people, depending on where you're from, but I do feel like we may be the first generation where we're like feeling might be okay. <laughs> yeah. We're so normalized, at least in some communities, you're right. Not everywhere, obviously, but I, I do think more for our parents is more like, oh, something's really wrong. That's what we right. go to therapy. Right. As right. opposed to like, yeah. I mean, when people are always ask me like, what's the difference between a coach and a therapist and a teacher and a this and a that, I'm just like, humans have had a hard time being human since humans existed, right? Like there's always been like sages and wise people and elders and the village priest and the teacher and the philosopher in ancient Greece, right? Like there's just always been people who are trying every, there have always been people who are like, there's gotta be an easier way to be a human. This is very intense and I need some help. Yes. And there have always been people trying to be like, okay, here's what we've learned. And a lot of it is pretty consistent, right? It's like, really thinking about yourself in a really negative way. Like what, what is God is love? What does that really mean? It means like loving yourself, right? right like right. using love, your ego is telling you lies. Believing all your thoughts is not a good idea. <laughs> like, yeah. It's you know, pretty consistent. If you look at most of, of the religions, there mo- it's just different ways of trying to tell the same story. The totally. same. You read the Greek Stoics and you read, you know, Buddha and like, there's some overlap. Yeah, for sure. Oh, this is so great. Okay. So any last thoughts on resolutions? I think the big takeaway is if you're going to be making resolutions, which is fine. (laughs) We will not come to your house and yell at you. (laughs) You are allowed. (laughs) Is to make them so mundane that you think that it's not worth it. Yeah. You think about, um, compound interest, right? It's just like concept most people don't understand because we're not taught it, which is like, we are, we have a, a human bias towards like basically thinking like big things are dramatic, right? Like mm-hmm. big numbers, big whatever. And compound interest is the way financially that like little bits of money exponentially increase themselves and add right. up over time. Right. And like people routinely, if given a choice of like, do you want a hundred dollars today? or like one penny with compound interest for 10 days. They pick the hundred dollars. I'm actually not doing the math right right now, whatever it is, but like you can Google it. Right, right. It's like, but picking the like $1 with compound interest would actually get you way more in the end, mm, right? It's like yeah. little, little habits are what add up to the things that you can then do effortlessly, just like how you learn to walk. Right. Stumble, stumble, fall, fall. Now you can walk with ease. So uh, yeah, I think the takeaway is like, I would say it's a two-step thing. One is like, before you pick a resolution, make sure you understand and like your reason for picking it. Right. Is it to make you more worthy? Is it to make someone else change their thoughts about you? Right. Is it to whatever? And I'm not saying, listen, we're humans. Sometimes I still do shit for that reason, but I at least am like watching myself mm-hmm. working on mm-hmm. it. So like know your reason and then, okay, if you really, this really is something you want to do, that's not just coming from shame pick something concrete and small. That's enough. So also it's almost a perfect, they go together because if your motivation, if your motivation is shame, you will not be willing to pick something small That's and so incremental. True. That's so Because you're in like such a rush. 
because the rush is not actually about the yoga practice. It's about getting away from the shame. Right. Right. So you're like, I can't be feeling this way and just doing a little bit every day. Like I need to get there immediately. Right. Whereas if it's actually about building the skill, like I decided to start weightlifting and it wasn't shame-based. I wasn't like, okay, I need to deadlift 500 pounds tomorrow. Right. Right. (laughs) I was like, this is going to happen gradually. Totally fine. I'm excited for that because it's about the actual experience, not a destination where I think like shame will be gone. Yes. I think that's such, such good advice. Kara, thank you so much for talking to me about this. I know people are going to love this. I can just tell. My Where pleasure. Can... I, I felt like reading your book. I was like, I'm going to make that lady be my friend. And <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> While we were talking, I followed you on Instagram. <laughs> Perfect. I can't believe I hadn't already. Um, will you tell everybody where they can find you on the internet and otherwise? Yeah. Well, otherwise come to my house. Um, yes. <laughs> or not. Don't otherwise. come here. They're drilling a lot. Uh, <laughs> Unfuck Your Brain is my podcast. You can find it anywhere you find your podcast. Uh, I always say that's the best place to start. But if you listen to this and you were like, yeah, I got to get, I got to get the, if you're having a perfectionist fantasy about thought work and you want to get to get to that right away, uh, you can go to unfuckyourbrain.com and you can learn about The Clutch, which is my feminist coaching community. Amazing. Thank you so much. I'll link to all of those things in the show notes as well. Perfect. Thanks for having me. This was a blast. If you're loving what you're learning in the podcast, you have got to come check out The Clutch. The Clutch is the podcast community for all things Unfuck Your Brain. It's where you can get individual help applying the concepts to your own life. It's where you can learn new coaching tools not shared on the podcast that will blow your mind even more. And it's where you can hang out and connect over all things thought work with other podcast chickens just like you and me. It's my favorite place on earth and it will change your life. I guarantee it. Come join us at www.unfuckyourbrain.com forward slash the clutch. That's unfuckyourbrain.com forward slash the clutch. I can't wait to see you there.